Thank you, brother. Thank you, musicians. Please take your Bible. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. You say, Brother Roger, that's the passage we went to last Sunday. Well, I'll be. How about that? You are just sharp as a tack. All right. Jeremiah chapter 17. I want to, uh, want you to know about this passage. It's like, you know, it's a passage that just keeps on giving and just keeps on giving. And this is what the Lord has laid upon my heart in Jeremiah chapter 17. Uh, this morning, I would like for you to um, use this passage of Scripture to measure something in your life. I'd like for you to measure your trust in the living God. I'm going to give you a test. I want you to measure your trust in the living God. And this thing about trust... It matters very much to God. Look with me in Jeremiah 17. Look with me, please, in verse number 5. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Looks to me like the Lord is a little bit upset with us when we begin to move away from our trust in Him. Verse 6 says, For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, and that inhabited. Verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope, and that word hope means your confidence. Okay? In whose hope the confident, in, in whose hope the Lord is. Now notice the difference in that guy that's all dried up and, and basically useless in verse six compared to verse number eight is the individual who actually trusts in the Lord. All right. Notice it says in verse eight, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. Speaking of stability. And that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green. There you see durability. And shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. There you see reliability, that God could put you in other people's lives. That you would be somebody who would encourage others to look unto the Lord from whence cometh our help. Rather than discouraging folks and consoling them in their doubts. Instead, you are pushing them to trust in the living God. You need friends like that. Every once in a while, you need somebody to get up in your face and say, What about God? Did God die yesterday? Is God able? Does God care? You need once in a while someone to push back on your unbelief. And you'll notice here he says in verse 9, he said the heart. Oh, there we go again with that heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And so the Lord does things. And this is where I need you to see this. And boy, I, I know, I just, I see God answering prayer this morning. It always encourages me when I see God answering prayer. He's answering prayer today. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And you'll see how that God will begin to work in all of our lives 
to measure our trust and to show us what's going on inside of us. Because we'll lie to ourselves. Our imaginations uh, and the things that our mind will say uh, cannot always, sometimes cannot always be trusted. The Bible says a man that trusts in his own heart is a fool. In other words, if you're always just kind of basing it upon your feelings, your intuitions and your fears, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And he says, the heart deceitful above all things desperately wicked, who can know it? Well, the Lord wants you to know it. And so, here's what he says in verse 10. I, the Lord. Now, it's encouraging this morning to know, as you walked in these doors and sat on these pews, that you have a God in heaven whose eyes are over you. And He knows what's going on in your life. And some of it, He's orchestrating. And that's what He says. I, the Lord. I, the Lord. Search the heart. God is searching every heart this morning. Your heart. Your thoughts. Your imaginations. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. Think about the reins on a horse and how that God will tug here and tug there to see which way you're going to respond to what God is doing and how He is working. And it says, I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So some of the fruit that you will see coming in your life will go back to the root of the issue that's going on in your heart. If you're in that dry place, in that empty place, in that fruitless place, it's because down in your heart there's a root of where you're not trusting God like you used to. And then over here where that you're now become that green bay tree where you are now planted and you are stable and you are durable and reliable, that is because your heart is trusting in the Lord. Now let's look at some things. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to give you three simple tests this morning that the Lord, and I have preached on these subjects in the past, but if you'll notice, our life is always changing and that there are new people here in our congregation and visitors. And most of all, I'm going to be obedient he told me to repeat the message I preached last Sunday morning. That's exactly what I'm going to do. But, but God, in studying these things, He always just kind of gives me some more things I haven't seen before. But I pray that He'll help you with these, these things. He said, I the Lord. What's He looking for? He's testing your heart today. What's He looking for? Well, first of all, I want to look in chapter 3, verse number 5. He's looking for our commitment. Our commitment to Him from our hearts. Now watch what he says. Chapter 3, verse 5. He says, trust. Talking about trust, right? Trust in the Lord with what? How much of it? All of it. All thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. God wants your commitment from your heart Unto Him. He wants your confidence not to be in princes, politicians, or even the power of your best friends that you live around. Say, well, if this doesn't work out, I know. No, no, no. God wants you to trust Him with all of your heart. It's like the word in marriage. 
of where that a man is to cleave unto his wife. It's where two become one, and they are not to be separated by anything. And the Lord wants your heart to cleave to Him and not be separated from Him, not to depart from Him. Remember we read that in the book of Jeremiah. He wants you to cleave unto Him, like in Proverbs 30 about that virtuous woman. The Bible says that man's heart doth safely trust in her. And God wants you to trust in Him. Do you? Do you trust in the Lord this morning? Do you? I I, I like what the song writer said when he said, uh, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord, and seal it for thy courts above. I pray that you'd understand, brethren. Hebrews chapter 3 says this. It says, take heed, brethren. He said, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. That it would cause you to begin to fade and drift. And it starts with you doubting God. That causes you to drift on God. It'll cause you to depart from God. And then you'll be deceived by sin. And the consequences of it. So the first test is, is my heart committed to the Lord? All of my heart. God, I trust you. I'll tell you one thing. I'm trusting Him for eternal life and in nothing else. But I'm also trusting Him for everyday life. That God would help me each morning when I get up in the morning. I want my heart to be tender toward God. I want to give Him what? The first part of every day. The associate pastor asked to have a breakfast with me the other morning at the church I was at this week. And he had a notebook and he was asking questions and taking down notes. He says, he said, tell me what your daily routine is. He said, tell me what it is. And I've had several preachers ask that. And I'm just saying, well, I'm just going to tell you the first thing I do in the morning. And it's not that I've got it down pat or got it right. I don't, I, I don't think that way. I'm just telling you what I do. When I get up in the morning... Before I say something to a, to a person, I say something to my Heavenly Father. Before I face man, I want to face God. I want to talk to God. I want to give Him the first part of my day. And I want to gather something from Him to help me through that day. And it helps me with my attitude. It helps me with my gratitude. It's my me time with God. And I'm telling you, I said, listen, son, I don't care what's going on in your life. I know sometimes some days will jump on top of you before you know it. And God knows that. He knows that. Some days you might be up all night. And I mean, you're grogging the next morning. Just not just one of those days. But I'm talking about on the average day. You need to give your heart to God in the morning. For you know not what a day may bring forth. You know not what kind of disaster or even prosperity, because not only the disaster sometimes can move you away and cause you not to trust in God, but sometimes prosperity can cause you to move away from God. You know not what a day may bring forth. So commit yourself to the Lord. All right, second of all, look in chapter 3, verse number 6. Not only our commitment does He measure to see if we still trust Him, but our choices. Look in verse 6. He says, in how many? All. 
In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. This, my friend, is my choices. My choices. Now, we live in a very tough, tumultuous time in America. But yet you have continued to trust God this year. And I praise you for that. I bless you for that. You have given above and beyond. And I thank you for what you have done for missions this year. And I'm going to tell you, God sees those things. And I commend you for that. And I want you to notice that choices. When he says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Do you know that this morning, what separates each one of us in the eyes of God? Our growth, our fellowship, our continuing on is our choices. I read an article the other day about two sons, Brother David, of an, uh, an abusive, alcoholic father. And as those boys grew up and turned into men, one wound up in prison, and the other one wound up a successful Christian. And they asked him, what was the difference? The one in prison said, I watched my father, and I, his impact and his influence impacted my choices. The one that was in prison. The one over here said, what, what, what was the difference in your life? He said, I watched my father. And I saw his impact and his influence. And I made my choices. Both these boys had the same father. But the difference was their choice. And you have the power of choice. You choose to embrace God, to believe God, and to trust God, or you don't. You say, I can't. You've got to stop saying that. You've got to start saying, I won't. Because you can, but you won't. You can trust the Lord. Even if you've only got just that much faith, you can trust God. But He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to commit your heart to Him. But your choices matter to God. You'll notice here in our, in our text here, he mentioned several things and we won't have time. And I could preach a whole message just in, the, in chapter 3 about trusting God in different areas of life. But I want to remind you in your choices, get up in the morning. Give God some of your time. Pray to Him. Talk to Him. Read your Bible just a little bit before you get in the truck and head off to work. Fill your cab with good music. Or preaching. Talk to God or turn it off and talk to God on the way to work. Pull your heart out to Him like He's sitting right there beside you in the truck. Fellowship with Him. And then be here on Sunday morning. Give Him, make a choice to be in the house of God on the first day of the week. Give Him the first day of the week. Make that choice. Trust Him with the fallout of that. Trust Him. Be a man that trusts God. 
And then when you get ready to make a serious decision, you give the first thoughts of each major choice to God and say, Lord, what would you have me to do in this situation? What is your will in this situation? God, grant me wisdom in this matter. Don't be like like Joshua and Israel when the Gibeonites came and they faked their shoes and their clothes and their bread and said, we came a long way off. We want to make a peace treaty with you. But they were actually next door neighbors. The Bible says they did not ask counsel at the mouth of the Lord. When you're going to make a serious major choice, trust God. Ask Him, Lord, what is your will? And by the way, His will will be found in His Word. Or maybe wise counsel from godly people who are seeking the Lord. Don't ask fools and failures for direction. Trust in the Lord. Look with me in verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9. We're facing another upheaval in our political situation, probably our economical situation as it occurs down the road. But you'll notice in chapter 3, verse number 9, God wants you to trust Him with your finances. Now you're approaching a missions conference. Don't approach it with dread. Approach it with joy. Approach it with an opportunity to invest in the things that matter to God. Notice what he says in verse 9. He says, listen, he says, I want you to trust me with your finances. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance. How you earn your money matters to God. Do you believe that? You think you should, uh, you think your, your money should be earned in an honorable manner? How about if I just go down here, let's say to, um, let's say I go down here to the next convenience store and I go in there and I just say, hey, listen, East River's having a missions conference and I'd like to be able to give them a big offering this, this uh, Sunday. So how about handing over your loot right now? So they give me $20,000 and I come next Sunday and I put it in an offering plate and I say, hey, I just want you all to know I've already put all my money in on the first Sunday. Now, do you think that would honor the Lord? Of course not. You see, because money represents time. Time represents your soul and your life. And God wants that which you cannot get back. You can get money back, but you can't get time back. And money represents time of your energy, your soul, and everything about you. And so when you invest your time and your energy, it sometimes can be manifested in in the money that you put in the plate for for missions. And he says here in verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance. How I earn it matters. How I use it matters. How I give it and invest it matters to God. The Bible says, Be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. God would have me to make the choice of honoring Him with my finances and my substance. I want to take care of what I got. I want to earn what I have. I want to take care of what I got. And I want to share with what I got. I want to be a giver. But he says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. 
So if you're asking God to give you more, you need to ask yourself why. Ask yourself why. What's your motive? Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. He said, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now I need you to turn to Psalm 62 with me because I think this point right here is going to be for several of you this morning that are going through some things and you might even be in the valley of decision. And I pray this morning that you'd receive the Word of God with a spirit of meekness and take it as a word from God. I'm just a servant of the Lord. I pray and ask God to give me peace about what to preach. But you also pray and say, God, would you speak to my heart? So if I'm praying and asking and you're praying and asking, there's a great God in heaven who's listening. And He knows exactly. And He can, and he can take a, a weak instrument like myself and He can take me and still work through me to speak to your heart about what exactly that you need. I believe God. I believe He can do that. Now I want you to look in Psalm 62. Now I want you to trust Him with your commitment. He's looking and measuring our commitment, all our heart, our choices, acknowledging Him in all of our ways. I want to make my choices based upon the Word of God. If you and I are counseling together, we're talking and we're conversing. You know how iron sharpens iron and we're talking to one another. And maybe we're having a disagreement. What is it, the ultimate authority, that determines our direction? Hmm? Is it going to be your opinion or mine or is it going to be the Word of God? There has to be an authority somewhere that we can trust is accurate to determine what is right and what is wrong. Amen? But you've got some folks, man, I'll tell you. They'll look, they'll look right at the Word of God and it'll be right there in black and white and it's not a matter of private interpretation and they'll still say, well, I'm going to do what I think is right. So what you're saying is you're trusting in the arm of the flesh, but you're not trusting in the arm of God. All right, I want you to look in Psalm 62. God then measures us not only by our commitment and our choices, but also by our circumstances. Look in Psalm 62. Look in verse number 7. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. I say amen to that. Verse 8. Now look at this. Trust in Him at, what's the next word? All times. All your heart, your commitment. All thy ways. Your choices. Verse 8. At all times, your circumstances. He took at this. He says, trust in Him at all times, you people. Now, obviously, the writer understands that at all times means you may be facing some circumstances that are very trying. So he says, here's what you need to do. Pour out your heart. Goes back to the first one, doesn't it? It's your heart. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Now, I need to teach you something, all right? I need to show you something this morning. The Spirit of God may drive this home to your heart. Look in Deuteronomy with me in chapter number 8. I'm going to show you the ways of God. One of the reasons why you should come to church and what every pastor or Bible teacher should do is always do his very best to express clearly the will of God out of the Word of God, 
and the ways of God. The way that God works. I want an understanding. And you know, those men over there of Issachar, they had understanding of the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. They understood how God works. Listen, you and I know, you, sometimes many of us will quote this verse one to another to, to help us with our pride, and we need it. That you can't figure God out. That He's beyond our understanding. And I agree with you. But I will say to you that God has made it possible for us to understand some of His ways. And He's made it possible for under, us to understand His good and acceptable and perfect will in some things in life. I praise God for that. Now look in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Is God working in your life? Well, I don't know, Brother Roger. You know, no, 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 no. You may not be able to recognize God is working because of your lack of trust that He's in control of things. But He is. Even when you're stubborn. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Look at this now. When we don't understand the Lord. Remember Proverbs says. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thy own understanding. It's because you may not understand the way God works. I want you to notice something. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse number 5. How God worked in the life of Israel as a nation, in many ways, the the ways of God are the ways that God will actually work in the life of an individual. There are a lot of typology in the Old Testament, like how how that Israel was redeemed by the blood of of an innocent lamb, and then how they were identified with God by going through those baptismal waters where they went through the Red Sea. And then how that God took them through then a, a learning space there between there and the, and, and the land of promise. Before they would actually go into the land of prosperity, they had to learn some things. Well, look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says in verse 5, he says, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart. There again, we're talking about your heart out of Jeremiah 17. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chaseth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Does God love his sons? Does God love his sons more than you love your sons? Absolutely. Times 10,000. Is God a better father than we are? Is he a faithful father? Oh, absolutely. According to Hebrews 12, every son that he receives, he chastens. And he says he loves them. So whatever he's doing, it's because he loves you. Whatever's going on, whatever is happening beyond your control, is because he loves you. Now look what he says. And by the way, I believe if I remember correctly, Not all chastening is joyous. I never thank my dad for putting one on me. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Look carefully here with me now. Now here's what I need you to see. Look with me in verse number uh, 2. Boy, this is so good. If you you mark in your Bible, here's a good place to start marking. Chapter 8 verse 2, it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God... What's the next word? Led thee. God led them. 
And he led them into the wilderness to humble them. Some of the circumstances you're facing is simply to remove what will destroy you. And that is your pride. God resists the proud. Do you understand? He destroys the house of the proud. And so he says, because I love you and because you're so full of it, I'm going to lead you in some circumstances to get some of it out of you. And he says, to humble thee and to prove thee, to show this to you, to test you, to try you, to know what is in thine heart. Look in verse 3. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. I don't know of anything more humbling to a man who wants to provide for his family as when he struggles to provide for his family. If he's got any grit, whatever. If he has any character at all. If he has any integrity whatsoever. It is a humbling thing for him not to be able to provide for his family as he wants to. And God may bring some hard circumstances your way so that He may teach you to depend upon Him. Because He's got some plans for you down the road, but He's got to get you ready for those blessings. You say, I don't believe that. Well, well, just just, just think about this. Look in verse number 16, because I can see some of you don't agree with this. So let me show you what the Bible says. Look at verse 16. He said, He fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers do not, that He might humble thee, that He might prove thee. Why? To do the good at thy latter end. You see what he's doing? He's squeezing some of that stuff out of you because he doesn't want the blessings and the prosperity that he may bring upon you and the progress that you may make. He doesn't want that to hurt you and to harm you. Because usually what took Israel away from God was always when things started going wonderful. Their heart would start drifting away from God when they prospered. And they would forget God. So in your circumstances, notice it says again now, He says He led them to humble them, to prove them, to give them a heart check, and to feed them. He said, that's why I did this for you. Look in verse 7. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. You see, I'm taking you, he said, I'm taking the right direction. But look in verse 11. He said, here's what I'm worried about. He said, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. He knows how forgetful we are. Verse 12. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built good houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold be multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied. Some of you have more than you've ever had in your life. But is your heart now still tender toward God? Are you still in the house of God? Are you still trusting God? Are you still serving God? He said in verse 14, he said, here's what he's worried about. He said in verse 14, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God. Fellas, listen. I love you and I want you to have a good job. I mean, every man ought to have a good job. A good wife and a good church. That's what you need. Good job that you enjoy or at least one that provides for your family. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do till you do what you want to do. Right? 
Good job. Good wife. Good church. You are a blessed man. You're a blessed man. And you need those things. When your heart starts trusting in God and you start drifting on God, you may put some better shoes and better pants and better car in the driveway and a better house for your family. But if you're drifting away from God, you are drifting them away from what is most important in their life. is their relationship with God. And now you've got so proud and pompous that you don't feel like that you, you need your children in Sunday school to learn those stories and those scriptures. You don't need to make the effort Sunday after Sunday to be in the house of God. You're too busy to enjoying the things that God has given you. He didn't give you those things to cause you to drift or to destroy you. And so I want you to trust God in all of your circumstances. Uh, and listen. He said, I brought you these ways, and maybe right now, I don't know where you are in this journey. You may be at the beginning, and you may be in the middle. You may be at the end where now you are reaping some of the benefits of trusting God, and God has prospered you. Don't drift from Him. Stay close to Him. Stay humble before Him. Thank Him for His provisions and protection. Acknowledge God's good hand on your life on a regular basis. Don't be ashamed to stand and testify that without God I can do nothing. And if you are at the beginning, and it's, it's tough right now for you, but listen, and then you're comparing yourself to brother so-and-so, you don't know what brother so-and-so went through to get where he's at. You just don't. You don't know how many times that when God humbled him that he poured his heart out to God. And God became his refuge. The Bible says the Lord, when He adds riches, He adds no sorrow with them. How about that? Trust God. Trust God. I want to show you another verse and we'll go to the house. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes. Oh man, I still got ten minutes. You give ten more minutes to a Baptist preacher. Wow. But you know how it is around here when I say it in closing. Yeah, I know. You know, I heard what some of you said in your mind. You said, it don't mean anything, Brother Roger. I heard that. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Now as we approach this another year, God I think sometimes uses a missions conference to measure my heart. To whether I'm going to trust Him again uh, and for another year. And uh, sometimes, I, you know, over, over the years, for 27 years, that I, uh, 8 years and more that I've been given to Faith Promise... I don't always know what the number is. Just each year, he always says, give a little more. And so I give a little more. And after you've been doing that for about 25 or 30 years, you wind up looking back and I said, man, I'm giving over 20% of my income back. And then I look over here and say, I've got more than I've ever had. You see, I'm talking about how it works with God. All right, look at Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Look what it says here. Now, will you trust him? Now, when we talk about your circumstances, the circumstances you're in right now, God is trying to mature you, stabilize you, so that He can use you. That's what He's doing. Honestly, that's what He's doing. Some of you have made some hard decisions. And you're in church this morning because you made some of those decisions. Now, you've got to trust God to work some things out for you. Now, if you made some bad choices over here, 
doesn't mean there aren't consequences to those bad choices. God doesn't just make them disappear. What He does do, because you humbled yourself before Him and say, God, I made some bad choices. I'm very sorry. I drifted from you. I shouldn't have made that decision. You know, you can, you can take a credit card and in five minutes put yourself in debt for the next five years. And because you got right with God and said, God, I'm sorry for my covetous eye and my foolish behavior and my fleshy decision, that does not turn into money down at the bank and pay off that credit card. But I'll tell you what God will do. He'll provide you a little extra work here. He'll make that car last longer. He'll make something else last for a long time so that He can help you get out of that and then you press on with God. He'll help you like that. God's good like that. And if He just erased every consequence of every bad decision we make, we wouldn't learn anything from it. The pain of those bad decisions need to linger with us for a while. It helps us not to revisit those bad decisions that we make. In chapter 11, I want you to notice something here. Look here, again, concerning what's coming up, missions conference, a time for the heart check. Am I afraid this year? What did David say? What time I am afraid? I will trust in thee. Look in verse number 4. Some of you are, are observing the circumstances too much. Look what he says in verse 4. He that observeth the wind shall not what? So if you don't sow, you will not reap. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. But he that soweth sparingly reapeth sparingly. He says, he that observeth the wind shall not sow. What's he doing? He's going outside and he's looking at circumstances. He said, this is not a good day to sow. And then it says also, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. So he's waiting for the weather to be just right. He's waiting for the circumstances to be just right before he makes the right decision. Faith sometimes and trust sometimes means that there's something at risk. And the Lord wants you to trust him. He says in verse number 4, it says, If you observe the wind, you'll not sow. He's talking about sowing good things here. But look in verse 6. He says, Commit yourself. He says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. He just said, Hey, make some decisions. Commit yourself to the Lord. Don't let the circumstances that you're facing right now dictate to you what you should do. Trust God and do what is right in His sight. God measures my life by my commitment to Him, the choices I make. And when I face these circumstances, do I pour my heart out to Him and say, God, I don't know. I don't know what to do here, but I'm asking You to help me, to give me grace. Now some of you this morning, You need to ask God to forgive you for trusting in the arm of the flesh. God, I'm sorry. I've doubted you. I've drifted away from you. I don't want that, Lord. I want to be that tree that is planted by the water. God, I want to be able to be strong. 
I want to be able for you to bear fruit in my life so that when people bump up against me, they'll say, man, he encouraged me. He pushed me closer to God. I got some fruit off of him. You know, even no matter what he's facing, he's got faith in God. No matter what he's going through, it seems like he still trusts in God even though his heart is hurting. And God's looking for men and women who trust in the living God. And they trust Him with all of their heart. They trust Him in all of their ways. And they trust Him with all of their circumstances. And not a whole lot of things that you control as much as you think you do. Life can change on a dime. Do you agree with that? Have you given your heart to God for salvation? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ to cleanse you and forgive you of all of your sins? If you have not done that, you haven't got to first base yet. You need to be saved today. You need to give your heart to Christ. And if you are a child of God, you need to renew your trust in Him. Renew your trust in Him. Revive your trust in Him. And say, Lord, what time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. And God, these circumstances that are beyond my control, whether it's with my children, whether it be my husband, my wife, my finances, my health, God, You are my refuge. I'm trusting You in this situation. I give myself to Thee. Let's stand together, please. With our heads bowed, would you pray with me this morning? Has God measured your heart this morning? God looks upon the heart and He looks for that man and that woman that says, Lord, I will trust in Thee. I will trust in You. Father in heaven, while there's some folks here at the altar praying, I pray for those individuals in the pews that, Lord, as You measure our hearts, God, may we at East River Baptist Church trust You again for our families, for our future, for our finances, for the things that are going on in our lives that are beyond our control. Lord, I pray that we would cast our care upon you and trust you and call upon you as our refuge. And I ask it in Jesus' holy name. Our heads bowed. Would you come if God spoke to your heart? Maybe you need to be saved this morning.